Hello, and welcome to Line One, your health connection. I'm your host, Dr. Jillian Woodruff. Motherhood is amazing and incredibly challenging, and few are talking about the emotional and psychological transition to motherhood. In fact, pre-pandemic, one in five new moms could meet the criteria for a perinatal mood and anxiety disorder. And yet, many of these women have gone undiagnosed and untreated. Moms Matter Now is an organization dedicated to empowering, educating, and supporting women from pregnancy to early motherhood so they don't lose their minds, selves, and relationships. Joining us today is Ms. Calissa Kastning. She is the executive director of a local nonprofit and a mother to three girls. She has recently mastered unique ways of fitting exercise and self-care into her busy routine. Also joining us is Ms. Holly Brooks. She is a licensed therapist and a retired Olympic athlete. Interesting fact, she is a sibling to triplets and a mother of twins. Together, Calissa and Holly leveraged their frustrations and rage with pandemic motherhood and channeled their energy to create Moms Matter Now. Calissa and Holly, welcome. Thanks for having us. We're so excited for this conversation. I am yes, thank too. You. Thank you. And you can also join our conversation. Were you surprised to learn the effect childbirth would have on your body and mind? Do you have questions about postpartum depression? Are you feeling sad following childbirth, but afraid to discuss it because you think you should be happy? You are not alone. Call us toll-free statewide at one 353 5752 one 5752 in Anchorage at 907-550-8433, 907-550-8433, or email us at line1 at org. Well, before we learn more about your organization, Moms Matter Now, please share with me a little bit about yourself and your journey to motherhood. Uh, who would like to start? I can go first. Okay. Kalisa. Kalisa, um, thank you. Yeah, sure. So my husband and I moved to Alaska in 2011 when I was 36 weeks pregnant with my firstborn. So already nesting and the transition to motherhood looked different, right, with a big move from, from the lower 48. And, you know, during that pregnancy, I recall I read everything recommended for how best to prepare for a baby. And I will say I had wonderful prenatal, well, a month of prenatal care here and postpartum midwifery care here in Alaska. But looking back, there were very few resources focused on the emotional and psychological experiences I may experience, you know, once my baby was born. And I mean, I'll be honest, I don't think it crossed my mind as far as what I personally may experience. And I had all the screening, you know, for perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, postpartum, but you know, I just wasn't comfortable sharing, honestly, how I was feeling um, with my midwife, my own husband, or or even, you know, a best friend, because, you know, I was ashamed in, in those feelings, not knowing, knowing they were they were normal. So um, now I am the mother of three daughters, uh, 10, 7, and 5. And, you know, I think had I had the tools to advocate for myself at home and um, definitely at the workplace, I'm guessing, you know, that would have meant 
a lot less loss of myself as a person, as I just felt like I was everything to everyone else and, and nothing to myself. And, you know, over time that just doesn't um, equate to happiness and it's just not sustainable. So, you know, this experience, my motherhood journey um, has really given me new energy to make positive change for expectant and young mothers through Moms Matter Now and also for my own daughters if or, you know, when they choose to become mothers down the road. What a huge transition, transitioning to Alaska in general, but then with a baby closely on the way. And it is sad how there is shame associated with our mental health in general, which is getting better, uh, but certainly maybe even more so for mothers with their mental health because it's meant to be, you know, the the best time in your life, and, and that's how it's seen. And so if you're not feeling that, there's certainly some some shame involved in that. So <laughs> I'm sure. glad you're out there to kind of change that and hopefully mm-hmm. work to change that narrative. Thank you. Well, Holly, where are you uh, comfortable starting with your journey, sharing your journey with us? Yeah, well, as you shared in the intro, I am the sibling to triplets, and I was three and a half when they were born. And, you know, my own mother was amazing, and I really watched her become the ultimate martyr um, through that process of going from one to four kids overnight, you know, um, she, I feel like she lost her friends or our friends became her friends. Um, you know, our adventures took precedent over hers. Um, and, you know, a lot of that is just that happens naturally. Um, but I really kind of witnessed her lose losing herself and um, or parts of herself. And so that really became my greatest fear in becoming a mom. Um, you know, losing the parts of me that make me me, right, in the in the transition to motherhood. So that was my greatest fear. Yes. <laughs> and then, you know, my, my own experience, I, I had a tumultuous road to motherhood. I went through a long infertility process. I experienced multiple pregnancy loss. And then, you know, when my twins finally did arrive, um, I had my son, my daughter, vaginally, and then my son via a C-section, um, which is very rare. Yes. <laughs> um, wow. But, you know, it was a uh, kind of a tumultuous entry, right, in into motherhood. And so, you know, those were the personal experiences that really drove my professional interest, um, you know, in, in working in the field of, of maternal mental health. So, those were some of the things that that drove me and then, you know, drive drive me today and um, kind of led led us to join together and, and start Moms Matter Now. Well, you brought up an, another subject that would take an entirely different show is uh, mental health with fertility treatments and the yeah. mental health of you, the partner, the relationship. So we may have some time to get into it, but it, that's a different journey Uh, as well. Well, I know that you're a licensed therapist, uh, Holly. So do you focus on maternal mental health in your practice? Absolutely. Um, You know, my my two passions are athlete mental health and maternal mental health. And, you know, I do think that they have a lot of similarities. And, 
you know, when I was on the U.S. ski team and on the Olympic team, there was a lot of focus on the training plan, <laughs> but I was always the one that was focused on the kind of emotional sustainability plan, <laughs> right, which is, which is kind of what I call it. And, you know, as, as an athlete, I feel like when people have kind of one identity, right, like as, as an athlete, um, it was really easy if you just identify as a skier to have your self-worth tied up in your results. And, you know, I, I see the same thing in motherhood. If all of a sudden all of your other identities are erased and then you just identify only as a mother, yes. <laughs> um, you know, it can, it can really kind of, um, cause this, this shift, right. in in your mental health, and there's a lot of grief and loss for the other parts of you that are, that are no longer there. So, you know, as a therapist, whether I'm working with athletes or mothers, I always say we have our physical health, but we have our mental health as well. Right. And together they create our wellness and, you know, we have to look out for, um, for both of those, our physical health and our mental health. And I, I'm glad that we're talking about mental health more. I love that. And that makes so much sense. If you are only identifying as a mother, you lose all of those other parts that, that make you you. And then you could be tied up in the achievements of your children or, you know, what your children are doing. And, and that's a dangerous loop, too. Interesting. It is. It is. Well, you must tell us which Olympics you competed in. That is so exciting to have an Olympic athlete with us. I competed in Vancouver 2010 and Sochi 2014. So now that I'm um, two Olympics out, I'm starting to feel starting to feel old and old and removed. No, you're feeling the effects of your hard work. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Do you still do any competition today? You know, I definitely uh, like to do citizen races and, you know, um, it's funny because I'm never going to be as strong or as fast as I once was, but it's also really important to me to model that for my children, right? And Absolutely. I think so many mothers, like I said, give up their own adventures or their own fitness or their own goals just in full pursuit of their children's goals. And it's really important to me and also to Kalisa, you know, to kind of model the moms matter now ethos, right? It's like, we love you and we love ourselves, right? And, you know, Kalisa has three daughters. I have one daughter. And it's really important to us to model, um, you know, that, that, that we're still competing and we're still prioritizing some of our own time and our own passions for them, right? Yes. Because we don't want them to give up themselves right if if they decide to become mothers later on yeah you want them to pursue their passions and continue yes mm -hmm. well let's get into moms matter now kalisa can you tell us what prompted you to start this organization in when sure <clears throat> sure yeah uh well i will start by saying holly has been thinking about fulfilling a need for an expectant parent course for a long time um since she was pregnant i believe and um, over the past few years as friends, we had, you know, conversations of what that would look like and, I mean, what I personally had hoped for postpartum um, and, you know, just how needed maternal mental health education and awareness is 
And, you know, these past two years, we spent a lot of time together and we recognized, you know, how hard the pandemic has been for, for mothers. And Holly, as a professional, you know, counselor, obviously had had more interaction with those struggling than, than I did. But um, over many discussions through the pandemic of what moms needed, um, we both wanted to be a part of creating positive change. And, and that prompted the start of Mom Center Now, which uh, we launched um, on Mother's Day of last year. Wow. Okay. So you're about one year, you're soon to be one year old. <laughs> yeah, that's well, right. you've, you've mentioned the pandemic as sort of a call to action or a catalyst. What support did you find to help begin this project during that time? And how did this massive task add to your <laughs> motherhood burden or did it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I would say... <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, many people were maybe simplifying their lives and we, I guess, definitely had, yeah, uh, some little bit of energy and some maybe some frustration of the pandemic definitely yeah, fueled us um, in this endeavor. But um, overall, yes, the pandemic was definitely a call to action and that and we're also, you know, we're just sick of hearing friends say, no one told me or this wasn't what I was expecting after they had kids and we just felt like, yeah, we needed to be, um, for some reason, we felt like we needed to be that, that change and, and provide this, this opportunity to, um, you know, uh, educate and support and, and empower women, which uh, is, our, is our mission. And, you know, through the pandemic, we appreciated all the articles that were written that, you know, addressed the disproportionate load on mothers. But, you know, I know I felt that very few, if any, addressed like what needed to change or how to institute change. And, um, you know, although these articles hit during the pandemic, you know, much of the inequities of the division of parenting responsibility didn't start during the pandemic, but, you know, were definitely exacerbated, um, especially in the U.S., where we do not have, you know, parental leave or subsidized childcare and and that, you know, typically leaves mothers to stay home. And, you know, one alarming statistic, which seems to, you know, be a little different depending on your source. But, um, you know, the latest I saw was 5.1 million U.S. mothers left the workforce to care for their children and help them with their online schooling when daycares and schools were closed. And, you know, over 1 million mothers have not returned. You know, mothers were three times more likely than dads to leave their jobs due to COVID-related childcare issues. And um, I just wanted to share a little bit from this article in the New York Times titled, The Pandemic Created a Childcare Crisis, Mothers Bore the Burden. Um, so the author describes, and this is like relevant pre-pandemic or during the pandemic, but how it isn't just the loss of the job that the mother experiences, it is also a loss of you know, self-determination, self-reliance, of complex selves. And, you know, no matter the jobs moms have held, the education they had, or the backgrounds they, they came from, you know, moms describe a loss of identity apart from being a mother when, you know, they step away from their career. So, um, you know, this just, I guess, yeah, fuels us, right? The pandemic was absolutely a catalyst for us to take the little bit of energy we had during this time, you know, fueled by our own frustrations of being working mothers in a pandemic. And, you know, together we created created Moms Matter Now. Um, as you mentioned, our mission is to empower, educate, and support mothers from pregnancy to early motherhood so they don't lose 
their mind, selves, or relationships. And um, the membership of Moms Matter now includes an online course, Expectant Moms, Empowered Moms, a private online community, live group coaching, and bonuses from outside experts. Thank you. You know, uh, there's a lot of education that we need to do for ourselves and for others. You know, it's difficult to change societal expectations, and it's difficult to change the expectations we place on ourselves. You know, during the pandemic, a lot of it was assumed that, you know, the mothers would figure out what to do with their children, right? But that's also what we mm-hmm. expect of ourselves, too. So uh, there's a lot of change that needs to happen. So I'm glad that you're out there to to begin this. It's not going to be an easy task, but it does start with educating ourselves, right? And then we mm-hmm. can go out and be a catalyst for change in others. Um, I love that the statistics that you showed about the the pandemic. Did you notice other struggles that mothers had during the pandemic, especially those, you know, perhaps that found a way, you know, to continue with their careers during that time? What did you notice in in those women that were working and having their children at home? You know, I think it was it was a, a real challenge, and we were being asked to do something that really felt impossible in in a lot of ways, right? Um, you know, I'll put the word balance in quotes, right? How are we supposed to take care of our kids and, you know, and work from home at the same time? And so, you know, we saw a lot of burnout, you know, a lot of like mom rage, right? Yes. <laughs> and just a lot of people struggling, right, with no breaks, you know, um, having all of their coping mechanisms and social outlets taken taken away. So that was really hard. But one thing I just want to add to this conversation are, you know, the women who became mothers and, you know, had that transition to motherhood in the pandemic. There was, a, there was this big group of women who their friends, no one even saw them pregnant. Right. And then no one even knows their babies. Right. And friends weren't coming over to hold their babies so they could get a break. Right. So Kalisa and I talk a lot about how this transition to motherhood, we think, is the biggest transition in any woman's life over their entire lifespan. And a lot of women were doing this in isolation. And, you know, so it was really invalidating, really challenging and just really, really lonely. Yes, I did see some, you know, babies pop up and we weren't a part of that journey. So, yeah, yeah, I can imagine how that would be because you want to share that with everyone and hear goodwill from others and, and, yeah, somehow make you the process seem more validated, I guess. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about how women get involved in your program. So the Moms Matter Now membership is year-long, and anyone can join us um, at any time from from anywhere. You don't have to live in Alaska to be a member. Um, Our signature course is taken on your own time. Um, The private community is online, um, and live group coaching can be attended live or or listened to at at your convenience. Um, Our website is momsmatternow.com. And you can sign up through our website for, for the membership. Um, you can also email us at hello at momsmatternow.com with, 
with any questions. And I also just wanted to mention, we also have a free download and free mini course on our website titled seven things we wish we had known before birth and with kids. So um, if you want to get a taste of what we have to offer, um, feel free to download those freebies. There's so much we don't talk about, about becoming mothers. You know, you talk about the good things and yes, later people are like, why didn't you tell me this? I don't know. We kind mm-hmm. of want to keep the glamour of it and not share the nitty gritty. For sure. Mm-hmm. And we would, I mean, we would truly love for every expectant mom and, and birthing person to have access to this course and membership, you know, so that they can be proactive about the experiences, you know, they may face and for them to know that much of what they experience or may experience is, is normal and it is okay to ask for help. You know, and and Kalisa and I really designed the Moms Matter Now membership to be everything we wish we had had in the transition to motherhood and in that early motherhood journey, right? So it really is a combination of, you know, things I've seen in the therapy room, um, evidence-based tools, and, you know, there's so much energy put into baby showers and gender reveals and (laughs) all of this stuff when... In reality, like that stuff is fun, but it, it's not. It's not. It's not the the stuff that sustains you. So, you know, we but we put this together to be informational, to be empowering, and to really provide support um, that that's going to be really important to sustaining the mental health um, the mental health of moms. Yes, thank you, Holly. Um, is there any thought? I know you're just a year old, but is there any thought to expanding? Because I can see even just as being a, a mother of, of young kids or a mother of teenagers, there's mm-hmm. new transitions, you know, throughout our lives. And this information could certainly um, be useful to even a more seasoned mom. Absolutely. And, you know, we, we did a beta course last fall and, you know, we had moms that had kids as old as eight, nine, 10 years old, and they really found that the content was relevant to them too. Right. So, um, you know, I, I don't think that it's just for pregnant, pregnant people or, you know, for, um, moms with, with, um, children in that, in that perinatal you know, period or, or phase, I think that everyone can get something out of our course. And, um, you know, we're, we're just really excited to, to offer it, um, not only to Alaskans, but to, to, you know, moms in theory worldwide, right? Because right. It's, it's all, it's all web-based. And so we're really excited about the accessibility, um, of the membership. Excellent. Well, ladies, it's time for us to take our first break. And when we get back, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the cognitive load, mental load, before we get into the perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. You are listening to Line One, Your Health Connection. If you have a question or comment for our guests today, give us a call statewide at 1-888-353-5752, 1-888-353-5752, or in Anchorage at 907-550-8433. After this short break, we will continue our discussion of the emotional and psychological transition to motherhood with Moms Matter Now co-founders Holly Brooks and Kalisa Kastning as Line 1 continues statewide. You're listening to Line 1 from Alaska Public Media. You can find Line 1 on alaskapublic.org or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Parents, did you know that one out of four Alaska high school students currently use e-cigarettes? E-cigarettes are easy to use and easy to hide. What teens breathe in and out from e-cigarettes is not safe. It contains cancer-causing chemicals, toxic metals, and nicotine. Nicotine can lead to addiction. It can harm brain development and hurt memory, learning, and attention span. Parents, talk to your teens about vaping. Visit livevapefree at alaskaquitline.com. This message sponsored by the Alaska Tobacco Quitline. Welcome back to Line One, your health connection on Alaska Public Media. I'm your host, Dr. Jillian Woodruff. I'm joined by guest Ms. Kalisa Kastning. She played a motherly role to her three significantly younger siblings. When she became a mom herself, she expected it to come naturally. So she was surprised to experience postpartum anxiety following baby number two. Also with us is guest Ms. Holly Brooks. She is a licensed therapist and mother to twins. Her mission is to spread her mantra, taking care of yourself is taking care of your children. Kalisa and Holly are the co-founders of Moms Matter Now, an organization to help you feel prepared, present, and confident in your motherhood journey. Are you new to Alaska and feeling isolated during your pregnancy? Do you have a history of postpartum depression or anxiety and you are considering another pregnancy? Do you struggle with anxiety or depression? And you're considering pregnancy for the first time? Call us toll-free statewide at 1-888-353-5752, 1-888-353-5752, in Anchorage at 907-550-8433, 907-550-8433, or email us at line one at alaskapublic.org. Okay, ladies, I would like to discuss a little bit about uh, the mental load that is placed on mothers and and where that load comes from. What does that mean? What can we do about it? (laughs) Well, isn't that the million-dollar question, right? (laughs) Yes, Holly. (laughs) Help us. (laughs) Um, You know, the mental load is an easy way to talk about it is it's the invisible labor, right? Um, some people call it uh, the worry work or it's this like constant foreshadowing of what needs to happen, right? It's knowing what's in the fridge, right? So that yeah. when you go to the grocery store, like, you know what you need, right? Or knowing what appointments like that, you know, the kids need or, um, you know, knowing how to attend to their their emotional needs. And so, you know, the, the mental load isn't necessarily like the tasks that happen, right? But it's the delegation of the tasks and it's knowing what needs to happen. So, you know, I kind of think of, uh, you know, whoever has the mental load, which is mostly mothers who carry it, right? It's kind of like being the CEO of, of the household. <laughs> um, the question of how to balance the mental load is, again, that's the million dollar question, right? And, you know, I think that we see 
a lot of resentment form, you know, between uh, between parents, um, you know, most notably in heterosexual couples, um, because women tend to take on, you know, the majority of of the mental load and and the domestic duties. And, you know, there's a stat that says that even when both um, the mom and the dad work outside of the house, women tend to do 50% more, right, of the domestic duties and, and carry that mental load. And so then it's really easy for this resentment to form. And, you know, in the first year after having a baby, that's actually the highest divorce rate. Um, that that exists. And so I think a lot of it is, is because of this, because many women don't feel seen, don't feel supported and, you know, don't feel like it's an equal partnership. So, so that's, that's really challenging. Um, one of, you know, this is a huge topic, I guess, in, in this conversation, but it's something that we teach and talk about extensively in our Expectant Moms Empowered Moms course and, you know, one of the things that, that we talk about is this concept of maternal gatekeeping. And if you haven't heard of maternal gatekeeping, it's this idea that um, moms know best, right? And, and it starts early, right? Because we're the ones that carry the baby. We're the ones that birth the baby. If we choose to breastfeed, we're the ones that feed the baby, right? So it's really easy to become kind of like the expert about the baby. Right. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes without knowing it, we tend to alienate our our partner with, without without knowing it. Right. So there are all these studies that talk about the importance of um, you know, the partner having um, you know, a, a leave at the same time when the baby comes along so that, you know, the partner or the dad or or, you know, whoever it is, um, so that they can become an expert in, in the baby as well. Because this concept, uh, concept of maternal gatekeeping is all of a sudden, I can do it better. I'm the only one that can do it, right? And then you alienate the partner. And then without knowing it, you take on that mental load, right? And then the resentment forms, right? That and makes then, sense. Yeah, yeah. And so it's this trap, right? It's this trap. And I think, you know, we have this maternal instinct and, you know, we, we care for our babies so much, but at the same time, we don't realize that we're creating, you know, this, this system where we're the only ones that know what, know what to do. So it's really important to be aware of that, to engage and, you know, empower and not leave our partner out early. Right. And then, you know, another, another theme that we talk about um, in Moms Matter is this concept of, you know, divide, don't delegate, because the mental load is, you know, always knowing what needs to happen. And, you know, I think often women get a lot of flack for just nagging, right, because we always know what needs to happen. And, you know, if we're delegating, hey, do this, do that, right? But in reality, if you want to balance the mental load, you know, you need to actually divide what needs to happen. And, you know, the partner, whether, you know, it's a dad or, you know, a, a same-sex couple, you know, they need to be able to kind of conceptualize what needs to happen and, you know, take take um, a task or a duty from conception to planning to execution, right? Because the mental load is is just 
telling and delegating and having people people execute things, but that doesn't relieve our mental load. Right. Well, I'm curious then in same-sex couples, are you seeing an imbalance in their mental load? Is there one person that becomes the mother or what we've made the mother to be and another one that takes on the the father supportive role? Or yeah. are they better at dividing? Have they figured it out? You know, I mean, there is admittedly not as much research on same-sex couples and the mental load, um, but the studies that do exist tend to show that the division of household labor is more equal, you know, than, than heterosexual couples. And, you know, they often tend to communicate better about their needs. So I've seen that in my practice and with friends as well. Wow. And then I wonder if there's a difference between two mothers, two women, and two men. You know, how do they make that divide? Because to men, they've probably been raised in a situation where they're seeing the mother doing most of the mental load, right? And the father going off to yeah. work. So I wonder how that translates into what they bring into their family. Yeah, right. yeah. I think it's so individualized, um, too. So. Right. Yeah. right. Well, let's talk about social media because we've been, you know, isolated or in our homes for so long. And I know that I was introduced to TikTok and other social media outlets during the pandemic, and it's been blamed for everything negative. So how do you um, address society's unfair expectations in the portrayal of motherhood uh, by social media? Yes. Uh, I mean, so much of society's expectations are, you know, that we look a certain way and we buy certain things to, you know, make us happy or to fit in. And, you know, while many of these material items do fulfill us, it, it is often often short-lived and, you know, it's just not sustainable f- fulfillment. And, you know, if you take a look at your own social media feeds, I mean, how many moms are, are sharing real motherhood um, you know, the tantrums, the daily struggles, you know, how their house, you know, really looks or how they or their kids look and dress on, on an average day. And, no. you know, most don't be. No, <laughs> we wait right, for the house right? to be cleaned and yeah, exactly. only on so your best outfits. So we see that. We see that. You know, we, we see in our, in our social media feeds that the beautiful moments are shared. And, and those are nice to see. And, I mean, of course, we, we support our friends in their joyous moments. But, there can be this trap of, you know, comparison to our own journeys when we scroll through so much polished and perfect, um, you know, moments. And so social media, especially these last two years, when that's mostly what we saw, you know, we didn't see very, as many people in person, um, can really make us feel like we are, are not good mothers because we compare ourselves to those that, you know, appear to be doing it better. And, um, you know, we are, of course, all guilty of posting the joyous moments, the vacations, the milestones, myself included. And it's, of course, OK, you know, to post the good and the happy. But it is also important to recognize, you know, the effect that this has on people if if all they see are others doing, you know, grand things and experiencing happiness. And our approach at Moms Matter now is to keep it authentic and and real in hopes of, you know, normalizing everyday life as a mom, both both the beautiful and the messy. And if you follow us on social media, you will see firsthand our, our authenticity. 
That's wonderful, Kalisa. I'll have to definitely think about that. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like the social, my social media feed, that's what I look at when I'm in those frustrating moments <laughs> where you look mm-hmm. back and you can remember, oh, look, no, no, things are good. Things are good. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and I guess I would follow up by saying if, if it's triggering for you, like it's easy to, you know, unfollow, press the unfollow button. <laughs> right. Yeah, and I guess we have to remember that, though. These are those polished moments right that may be very few and far between but they're all just brought together and but I can understand if um that it can be difficult to see that we all compare mm-hmm. you know we say mm-hmm. we don't but we we, we mm-hmm. all compare for sure yep mm-hmm. I you know I just want to add to that that Kalisa and I are making this um intentional um I don't know, like uh, effort to practice imperfection. And so Mm -hmm. we've been talking about this lately. If her family comes over to my house, I will intentionally not clean. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Or like, you know, so she can see my messy house or, you know, we'll have dinner together and, you know, just pull out and create something that is already in the fridge. Right. Because there's so much effort put into just, you know, showing up in this, um, you know, kind of polished way, right? As mm-hmm. as Kalisa shared. So we're just trying to be real and we're trying to spread that authenticity. And, you know, social media just shows the highlights and we're trying to show kind of the real experience. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's one thing that's been really fun in our private community, which is not on Facebook, actually, purposely. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we're just really trying to show the authentic parts and, you know, just balance out that narrative. I love that you're sharing real life and how relaxing (laughs) that sounds so relaxing to, you Mm -hmm. you know, just show up and be present. Right. So and that's something we talk a lot about, just being present. Well, we have to get into some more serious topics. So let's talk about perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. Most people have heard about postpartum depression, but there's so much more. Holly, can you tell us about Mm -hmm. some of these disorders? Absolutely. And I'm so glad that, um, you know, some really prominent people are, you know, talking about their experience, you know, with postpartum depression, you know, Alanis Morissette or Adele, or, you know, there are people who are just really um, kind of bringing their experiences to light and opening up the conversation. But it's so much more than just postpartum depression. And I think that um, postpartum depression has kind of become this overarching like name, but it's a lot more than that. It's postpartum anxiety. It's, you know, obsessive compulsive disorder. It's intrusive thoughts. It's panic. It's, it's PTSD. Right. And, you know, on the rare occasion it's, it's psychosis as well. And so, you know, you shared in the intro before the pandemic, you know, the rates um, of PMADs were one in five, depending on who you ask. But we really believe that many women go undiagnosed and untreated, right? Because there's this sense of shame in, or, you know, people are scared of being labeled as not a good mom, right? And I think, um, you know, the pandemic has really exacerbated, you know, anything that was there and the isolation has just really um, created an increase in, you know, uh, 
the signs and symptoms of, of PMADS. And so depending on what study you read now, you know, the, the rates of perinatal mood and anxiety disorders could be as high as one in three, right? That is, that's an astounding figure. Yes. Right? Wow. Well, yeah. how do you distinguish between feeling sad or feeling anxious, you know, because it's you have a new baby and it's a it's a mm-hmm. new experience for you versus having one of these perinatal mood and anxiety disorders? How do you know when you've kind of crossed yeah. over that line? Yeah. That's a really good question, and especially if it's your first time, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, or with, with your first child, it's hard to know what to expect, right? And so it's kind of like, well, is this just normal? Is this my life now? <laughs> right? And so, you know, that's that's a big part of the education piece in our, in our Expected Moms Empowered Moms course, right? We teach about the signs and symptoms so that maybe people can recognize them in and of, in and of themselves um, or, you know, have more confidence to answer the screening questions more truthfully, right? If if they are lucky enough to be one of the of the women that are that are screened. Um, however, I will say, you know, 80% of new moms go through what's called the baby blues, right? And it is this transition um, that that can occur. Um, where, you know, it's kind of like disconcerting what's going on, right? And you can have kind of subclinical, you know, aspects of of depression and anxiety. But that baby blues and that kind of, I'll call it transition stress, usually lasts anywhere from two days to two weeks, right? And, you know, it it should be manageable, right? But the, the differentiating factor between baby blues, which again, 80% of women experience, there are so many hormonal changes, right? Um, you know, after having a baby. Um, and the difference between baby blues and a PMAD is the duration of time, right? If you're okay. still feeling, you know, really down or really anxious after that two-week period of time, but then also the, the severity of, of those symptoms, right? Um, is is a big indicator that you might need additional help. So what are some of the warning signs that should prompt a woman to seek help? Maybe she wasn't screened or she hasn't gotten to that point. What warning signs should she be looking for? Absolutely. So, you know, if you're feeling hopeless, um, you know, if you're you're feeling helpless, you know, if you're feeling... um, you know, like you're not able to bond with your baby, right? If you feel unable to, you know, take care of the baby's needs and if you're feeling unable to fulfill your own basic needs, right? If you're experiencing intrusive thoughts, which, you know, maybe we'll get into here in a moment, um, you know, and, and if you're just feeling really, really disconnected, you know, that would definitely be a, a time to, to reach out to, to a provider or, um, you know, a, a trusted person um, or, you know, a, a, a time to establish a relationship with a therapist who has training in perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. Okay, thank you, Holly. I do want to talk about intrusive thoughts. Let's talk about that when we come back from our last break. So let's take another short break for the stations down the line. If you have a question or comment for our guests today, give us a call statewide at 1-888-353-5752. 
1-888-353-5752 or in Anchorage at 907-550-8433. We'll continue our discussion on the emotional and psychological transition to motherhood when we return. You're listening to Line 1, Your Health Connection on Alaska Public Media. You're listening to Line 1 from Alaska Public Media. You can find Line 1 on alaskapublic.org or wherever you get your podcasts. The COVID-19 pandemic has created unexpected financial hardship for many Alaskans. Do you need help paying your mortgage? You are not alone. Now there is help. If you own a home, you may be eligible for Alaska Housing Homeowner Relief. The program may help cover mortgage payments, property taxes, utilities, insurance premiums, and homeowner association dues. The last day to apply is Monday, April 4th. Learn more and sign up at alaskahousingrelief.org. This message sponsored by Alaska Housing Finance Corporation. Welcome back to Line 1. I'm your host, Dr. Jillian Woodruff. Our guests today are Ms. Kalisa Kastning and Ms. Holly Brooks. Together, they co-founded Moms Matter Now, an education organization dedicated to educating expectant and new moms with all of the information we need to know but didn't know to ask about, in particular with how motherhood impacts our mental health. You can also join our conversation. Are you beginning your motherhood journey and need more resources? Are you co-parenting but experiencing an imbalance in your mental load at home? Call us toll-free statewide at 1-888-353-5752, 1-888-353-5752, in Anchorage at 907-550-8433, 550-8433, or email us at line1 at alaskapublic.org. Well, Holly, you mentioned intrusive thoughts, and I did have a question about obsessive-compulsive disorder and the differences in the perinatal obsessive-compulsive disorder um, versus those outside of pregnancy and how intrusive thoughts may play a role in that. Holly? Yeah. Well, I want to start off by saying, you know, intrusive thoughts can be a symptom of OCD, of anxiety, or, you know, of depression. And I'll also say that we all have intrusive thoughts, right? We, we all do, right? It's what would happen if, you know, I drove into the other lane of traffic, right? Like, yes. you don't actually talk about those, but, but we all have them. However, they can become really strong and really upsetting, especially in the perinatal period. And so there are lots of different kinds of intrusive thoughts, you know, and, you know, they can be about bad things happening to your baby, right? Like, what if I drop my baby down these stairs, right? So there's a lot of like, what if, and, you know, often these intrusive thoughts are accompanied by, um, you know, challenging or even gruesome imagery, right? And so, you know, a lot of it is thinking um, about accidents and what could happen, you know, to your baby. But then there's also this next level of intrusive thoughts, you know, that that really exists around, um, you know, moms actually inducing harm on on their children. And there is so much shame around this. And it's 
actually fairly normal, right? But no one talks about it because no one wants to be, again, labeled as a bad mom. And then no one wants to disclose these intrusive thoughts, right? Because they don't want their baby to be taken away from them, right? But there Mm -hmm. is actually a new study that shows that you know, postpartum women, um, up to 16% of postpartum women experience these kind of shame-inducing intrusive intrusive thoughts. And so, you know, it's something that we really talk a lot about in the Moms Matter Now course, um, just to normalize that <laughs> it happens. Um, and often, you know, mothers are horrified that they're experiencing these thoughts, especially the ones where they're the one inducing, you know, the the harm. Um, but that's, it's actually just like a normal adaptive thought because, you know, we are meant to protect our, our, our children. And it, it is just, it's this, it's our brain's weird way of, of protecting our children, right? And just being horrified of all of these things that can happen to them. So then we protect them even more, right? <laughs> so if someone has these intrusive thoughts, is there a detriment to it going untreated? Would this lead to them not being able to participate in life? Or does this mm-hmm. lead to yeah harm in another way? Absolutely. Um, you know, there, like I said, there's so much shame um, in in them. And so, you know, sometimes if you're having an intrusive thought about, let's say water, right? <laughs> and you're like, I can't go near water because I'm just thinking about my kid drowning, right? Or I'm even thinking about throwing my kid in the water, right? Then all of a sudden, you know, it really affects your life if you can never go by water, right? Or if you feel incapable of bathing your child because you're so afraid, right, of something bad happening to them, right? So the biggest thing that we can do with intrusive thoughts is to kind of pull back this curtain on the shame and the secrecy. And it's amazing just how therapeutic it can be when we, when we normalize that this is a normal thing. And, you know, one of the things that I always tell my clients is a thought is not a fact. Just because you have this thought doesn't mean you're going to act on it. Right. And actually, if it's horrifying to you, there is a, there you're not you know you're, there's a great chance that you're not going to act on it right right so we need to be normalizing them we need to be talking about them and if we're not it can have a huge impact on on your life because you're you're scared of doing things right <laughs> right that's true well how can we decrease our risk of developing a perinatal mood and anxiety disorder mm. Good, good question. And, you know, I think this is um, a big part of the the education piece with the Moms Matter Now membership. So we're talking about it, right? We're normalizing these things. But we're, we're also talking about, you know, how to balance the mental load, right, with your partner before you get into um, you know, this transition to becoming a mom um, or, you know, we're, we're just proactively talking about all of these things and all these all these tools um, that you can engage in where we're trying to empower people to actually answer the screening tool truthfully, right? Instead of just trying to figure out how do I pass this screening tool without raising any red flags, right? So we're trying to educate, we're trying to normalize, you know, and then we're, we're trying to offer, offer tools 
um, so that people feel more prepared and more empowered going, going into it. And then, you know, in our community, we're really trying to offer the social support, you know, that, that people um, need. But I don't know, Kalisa, do you have, do you have something to add to that? No, I think you covered it well. Okay, thank you. And I guess making sure that if perchance you had um, an issue or a disorder that was treated or not treated before pregnancy, uh, then that can increase your risk. So that brings up just prenatal counseling, prenatal testing, prenatal evaluation to prepare yourself for pregnancy. Because if you do have a mood or anxiety disorder, you want to make sure that you're well treated or and taken care of and you know there's resources you know, before pursuing pregnancy. Well, ladies, thank you. Yeah, we have a caller we want to get to. We have Jessica from Anchorage. Hello, welcome to Line One, Jessica. Hi, good morning. Um, Thank you so much for your uh, work. This is a wonderful, um, you know, to shed some light and provide some, um, you know, support to people. Uh, when I was, I, I had my um, son a little bit later in life. I was 40 and um, my dad is bipolar and I pretty much could cope with, I, I mean, I kind of felt that I had it. I've been to many mental health providers. I had a therapist and um, so it went, and I'm a healthcare provider myself. So, you know, I had all these like things going into this. And then when I had my son, I couldn't sleep. Like everybody goes through that, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody goes through that. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it, like I kind of took it to another level where, I mean, I really literally couldn't fall asleep. And honestly, I started drinking just to fall asleep. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was mm-hmm. eventually diagnosed with bipolar. It took a couple, it took a couple years and I had a very supportive partner. I mean, I'm no longer married. And I think that we had to do um, a bunch of um, uh, fertility treatment. I know that didn't, you know, help mm-hmm. the situation. But, um, yeah, it was a very lonely time. And I think it's great that you're offering. Cause just, just like having some emotional support would have been helpful. You know, we, we felt like we had that. Baby, it's a whole different thing. You know, our friends t- tended not to be, you know, the, the family. T- I mean, they were family-oriented, but they didn't have children. So, um, you know, we were at, like more in the uh, outdoor community. So we, my, my ex-husband and I felt really alone and that didn't help, you know. And uh, like I said, it res- pretty much resulted in a divorce. But um, and it's weird because I, you know, bipolar isn't a thing that personally has a lot of insight into. You know, you 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 do all these things like, you know, you're impetuous, you can't sleep. And it doesn't even seem to affect you sometimes. You can just go days and days without sleeping. You know, irritability, erratic behavior. You know, I had all of those things, but I still had a hard time getting a diagnosis. So um, mm-hmm. I think it's great that, you know, people can get pre-screened, like you said, and, you know, that you offer support because maybe if you're around other people, and you're seeing that what you're going through isn't like what everybody else is going through, you know, maybe that can kind of push you into the right direction to see, you know, a, psych- a psychiatrist that could be helpful. And I'm not saying that my psych- uh, the, I did see psychiatrists, they were all good, but it's just, it's a, it's kind of a tough one to diagnose, especially they think, oh, you're a together person, you're married, you right. have a good they job. saw you have that everything together. It doesn't matter, right? right? It, um, and because then you start hiding it and you start doing all these other things that are maladaptive coping to deal with it. And um, so, you know, I think being alone and isolated is a common thing in Alaska. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that story. Holly, I know you have a comment. 
Yeah, you know, I will say uh, 50% of women that are diagnosed with bipolar disorder are diagnosed in the perinatal period, right? And so, you know, pregnancy and all the hormones and the, the situations surrounding it are really a time where there can be this onset of mental illness. And, you know, I will say um, bipolar disorder in particular, um, if you are bipolar, you have a greater risk factor for postpartum psychosis, um, you know, which is, which is a medical emergency. And, you know, the other thing I want to say about bipolar disorder and mood disorders in particular is there are many people that get pregnant and they cold turkey discontinue their medication. Right. And so that can really lead to a lot of instability um, in your mood and in your presentation. And, you know, it can lead, you know, to these manic episodes, um, which can bring on the, the insomnia and, and whatnot. So, you know, I know that we're we're getting tight on time here, but I just wanted to say thank you so much for for sharing. And, you know, I'm I'm really sorry that you you had had that struggle and you know we aren't meant to parent in isolation we aren't meant to parent in silos and you know i i think that um you know, we're, we're really meant to support each other. And, you know, there's this concept we talk about allo parenting, right? And it's this idea that um, we parent together, we help out each other, right? And, you know, I think there's this preconceived notion that if we ask for help, um, that we're not a strong mom, right? Um, and that we should be able to do it all ourselves. And it's not meant to be that way. We can't do it all ourselves, right? It it takes a village, like they say, and we do need to be more supportive of each other as moms. Well, you're right. We are about out of time. So let me just give you both an opportunity to share some final thoughts with us. Yeah, well, I just want to thank you so much, um, you know, for letting us have this conversation. I think maternal mental health is such an important topic. And, you know, we believe that this transition to motherhood is the biggest transition women will ever have in their lives. We talk about this concept of when a baby is born, so is a mother. And, you know, moms are deserving of support as well. And so, you know, we're, we're so excited to offer the Moms Matter Now membership, which, you know, really provides all the things we wish we would have had. Um, and, you know, we're here to normalize uh, the experience of, of motherhood, even the ambivalence that, that we might feel. So I would encourage anyone who's listening to consider joining us, check out our website, follow us on social media, um, and we would love, love to have you as part of our membership. Thank you so much. Kalisa? Sure, yeah, I just wanted to reiterate that we don't have to give up all of us, all of us, ourselves to be good mothers, and, you know, how good of a mother can we be if we're longing for, for your before-children life? So um, remember that you have the right as a mom to remain interesting. Thank you so much. Our thanks to our guests, Ms. Kalisa Kastning and Ms. Holly Brooks, for being with us today. Thanks to our audio engineer, Tobin Shelby, and our producer, Adeline Baxter. You can find more information on this and previous programs on our website at alaskapublic.org. Let us know your thoughts or suggestions by emailing us at line1 at alaskapublic.org. This has been Line 1, Your Health Connection. I'm your host, Dr. Jillian Woodruff. Thank you.
Line One is a production of Alaska Public Media, which is solely responsible for its content. Views expressed are those of the host and participants and not necessarily those of Alaska Public Media, this station, or its underwriters. Learn more about Line One and listen online at alaskapublic.org. This is Alaska Public Media.